Hello, everybody, and welcome to RSL Season Pass, a Real Salt Lake podcast. Joined by myself, Ethan Kershaw, and Alex Maurer. And yes, you heard that right. That was not a mistake. We have officially transitioned our podcast over to an independent podcast. We will talk a little bit about that and um, kind of what all went on there um, and why we are now RSL Season Pass. Um, but before we start and kind of get into that, Alex, how are you doing, man? I There is a sort of pep in my step that would just be unattainable from uh, any other uh, incantation of this podcast, Ethan. It, it, it's, it's a new day. It is the dawn of a new day for Nita, or might I say, you know, Real Salt Lake fandom as a whole, if I'm not so presumptuous myself. I think this is a turning point for the club the friend and no, I'm just kidding. I think, <laughs> I think I think this the the ripple effects might be felt in the changing of our tags in the press box, but other than that, I doubt much much changes. Uh, and for you, the listener, I don't uh, foresee much changing in the way that we deliver this podcast. Just kind of under the subscription section of your favorite podcatcher is the only thing that you're really going to see change, and just you know you said we'd get into it we won't go too deep into the weeds here but let's just say there were some creative differences at the hive sports podcasting network we would like to thank them for the opportunity to start covering real salt lake and uh and and that that's all i have ethan (laughs) yes no no (laughs) um different different names same game uh is basically what it is and as you mentioned you know we we made um a decision to kind of go off and be more of an independent podcast, independent from the Hive Sports. As you mentioned, we do want to give um, just a, a huge thanks and a massive shout out to the Hive Sports um, for all that they have done for us and all that they um, they did for RSL Sundays. It was a fantastic podcast to be a part of, um, you and me, and kind of starting that. And we, we had a little over a year recording with RSL Sundays and the Hive Sports. And so um, you know, this is a, a momentous occasion for us, maybe not as big for uh, all of you listeners out there, but, um, yes, we are RSL season pass, um, separating from RSL Sundays. So, um, same people, just different name of a podcast. We've got, um, a, a Twitter page that will be coming out in full force. Um, most likely this next week. Um, it will be under the handle. Should I drop the handle? Yeah, man. I worked hard to ensure that we snagged that. <laughs> so yes, please do. I mean, it's pretty simple and memorable, but at RSL Season Pass is where you can find the new page for um, for our podcast. We're going to have all the episodes um, in a, a link in the bio uh, once we get it all set up. But please be sure while you're on Twitter today to go over to at RSL Season Pass. Make sure to follow the page. We mentioned before that we got a lot of big things coming and hopefully we're starting to deliver on that. We have even a few more things coming up in the future, which um, which we will get into in future episodes. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, man, a new day and a new Is the sun shining just a little bit brighter today. I can't tell. But looking well, out my yes. window, it seems as if maybe it, it, they just cleaned it, my windows. But well, I know, no, it definitely I think is. it genuinely looks like it's a little bit brighter outside today. It, it definitely is a little brighter outside because we're recording during the daytime instead of the nighttime. Like we usually record at night. So this is uh, this is, a and, good thing, you know, I feel like we should probably mention because our, our previous podcast, you know, told you when the episodes were going to come out on Sundays. This one. Probably Mondays. So yeah. you're going to have to get used to it, listener. We thought about going with RSL Mondays. <laughs> you, if you would like, cannot go get that Twitter handle because I already have it. We <laughs> really did put in some thought into doing that. But uh, instead, we are just going to be called RSL Season Pass and we will drop on Mondays. That way, yeah. when we have those random Sunday games, then it doesn't have to record super late and come out on a Sunday night. So just plan on Mondays, listener, every Monday that there's RSL news. We will be there in your podcatchers waiting for you. And this gives me extra time to edit, which would be really nice. Cause then maybe I'll throw a little extra, a little extra pizzazz on there. I'm currently looking at options online for someone to record an intro for us. <laughs> I, I sent you the first iteration yeah. of the script, which apparently calling myself the smartest RSL fan and calling you the guy that didn't want to pay to have a host read our <laughs> introduction was, was not funny enough. So I will, I will have to go back to the drawing board with that one. But if you or anyone, you know, has a great radio voice that would like to put together an intro and an outro for us, provoiceguy.com can do it for $65. So if you can beat that price, <laughs> let us know. 
<laughs> for free would be awesome if if that's a possibility. But yeah, you um, know, it, how, how, how much are you willing to work <laughs> to enjoy your RSL season pass? Wow, my brain keeps <laughs> reverting back to its old ways. Um, but we do want to thank all of you for your patience um, with with this change as well. Comes um, a lot of different things. So, um, like Alex mentioned, we'll be most likely releasing our podcast on Monday. I can see it now. Hayden Nielsen's going to say, "Oh, how fitting is that for all the other times we used to release our episodes on Monday every now and then?" So, um, yeah, Monday. Speaking of Hayden the Nielsen, there was a, there there might have been might have been. I'm not going to confirm nor deny a real push to get us to join the Royal Riot podcast yeah. <laughs> network. And I can't lie, it was extremely tempting, Hayden. If you're listening to this, LD in Stockton, he put in a really really good offer, and we just we. We would be remiss if we didn't at least try to do this independently, right? Yes, like, yes. There's there's a part of me that would never be happy with myself if I didn't at least at least give it a shot. Not to say that there won't be, you know, major collaborations between between us in the future, but I just don't I don't know how I could sleep at night knowing that we never gave it a shot, and even now we are. I mean, yeah, I I heard there was a rumor that, um, I mean, I understand why it was so tempting for you to take that deal. You kind of got jaded the first time um, you tried to take the naming rights of my firstborn child. And now <laughs> I, think, I think somewhere in that deal, Hayden had offered the naming rights of his firstborn child. So um, I don't everything, know. I, I let's just say everything was on the table. Let's just, could, let's just say that. I can see why that was tempting. But um, let's let's go ahead and jump into the episode before we do today. Like I mentioned, be sure to follow at RSL Season Pass on Twitter. You can find myself at Ethan Kershaw Nine, and you can find Alex at Alex Mauer on Twitter as well. Be sure to hit us up, follow us, let us know what you think about the podcast and uh, the changes as well. We're always happy for uh, for feedback and stuff that we can do better too. So always trying to improve over here. But let's jump on into the episode today and start off with our lovely and our coveted first segment, the RSL Trivia Segment. Buddy, hit me up with it. So you didn't mention the actual name, which is Pod Trivia, which that, along with the Monarchs Minute, we retained in the custody battle over RSL Sundays. We lost that one, but we got to keep those two. (laughs) So Ethan, I just had to make sure Pod Trivia got its name in there today. And I am, I for one am extremely excited about this question, and I think you're going to hate it. So here we go. Last season, RSL interviewed 16 players and posted their Players Playlist in which they cataloged their favorite songs, albums, artists, and genres. Which artist appeared more than any other, with 10 total mentions? Is it A, Drake, B, Kanye West, C, Post Malone, or D, Bad Bunny? Hmm. Do you remember the player playlists? I do, Surely I you do. saw these, okay. Yeah, I remember when they came out. I, Each I, player would list like five songs, their favorite yeah. artists, and then like a favorite genre. I feel like I saw some Drakes, um, maybe one or I saw a few Kanyes, maybe a few Post Malone. I think Post uh, it's uh, okay. I've narrowed it down to Post Malone and Drake. Judging by your reaction, I might still be in it. Um, I was going to initially say Drake, but then I started thinking about it. I need it a firm like, answer, my friend. Post Malone? Is that your final answer? It is. Ew, it is not Post Malone. It is indeed D, Bad Bunny. What? Ten total mentions. That is carried on the backs of Sergio Cordova and Brian Ojeda, who love Bad Bunny. He was four out of fives for Brian Ojeda and three out of five for Sergio Cordova. So even if you were to remove Cordova because he's not on the roster, it would still be Bad Bunny. I think Kanye West was second with like five mentions. Dang. Yeah. I did not know there were so many. I have to imagine that that is like pumping at all times in the locker room because he came up on like so many different players. Yeah. Yeah, probably is. Um that's probably the only thing they play in the locker room. Who do you think's in I charge of that in the locker room? Who gets the aux cord? Trey. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> there's no way Trey's listening to Bad Bunny. That, there's no way. Uh, maybe. Who would it be? My because my guess is it has to rotate. Well, it's it's probably Justin. I see. I see Justin Glad doing that. Like I feel like that's a Justin Glad type thing, but I don't know. I could be wrong. That, or, that actually. You know could what? Be. It Marcelo was, was captain for a long time. It was, it was probably Aaron Herrera. That's not a bad shout either, right? I could see Aaron. It right. could have been Aaron. The, the, the other thing I would like to mention is that they failed extremely, extremely bad in trying to pass the Bechdel test. 
because there was like one female artist listed amongst all 16 players. It was a little surprising, but uh, yeah. I guess maybe to be expected. I don't know. I was thinking if I had to list my five favorite artists, would there be a female artist in there? And it's probably Tierra Whack, but I'm not, I'm not totally certain that she would crack the top five, but it's very close. Interesting. But yeah, that's your pod trivia question for the day, Ethan. I figure, I feel like now that we've you know started fresh and new, maybe we should keep like an all-time running tally, but maybe that just feels mean. I mean... You just want to try and find something that you can win at, right? <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> you, do you know how difficult it is to predict the scores of games, Ethan? I'm it's so hard. bad at it. It's hard. I'm it's so difficult. bad at it. I didn't get one right all season. That's crazy. With the score perfect and the result correct. I didn't get I, one. I'm, I'm confident that after a season of learning, you will be able to do much better. See, and that's what I'm worried about is that I come out somehow even worse than I was in the past. That's like the genuinely like the big fear for this season for me, because I have to imagine we're going to raise the stakes. And last year it was your daughter's naming right. So like now, what could it even be? (laughs) That is a good question. That is a good question. Um, I'm glad I retained those naming rights. Yeah, yeah. You know they weren't. I think on the board, but. Sergio Cordova Kershaw would have rolled off the tongue fantastically, but who am I to judge? Luciana's a little bit better, I think. Luciana's personally. a little bit better. Ethan, we also retained the rights to the name Monarchs Minute. If you if you can believe it, we won well, that, that I, custody battle. I, I guess then I've retained the right to say that I've got my stopwatch ready and I've got a minute on the clock for you. So, Alex, ready, set, and go. There's a lot to get through. Six Rail Salt Lake slash Monarchs slash Academy players earned call-ups to their respective U.S. youth national teams. Uh, RSL homegrown goalkeeper Gavin Beavers has been selected for his fourth consecutive call-up to the U.S. U19s. And recent Real Monarch signee forward Xavier Gozo has earned yet another call-up to the USU-16 side. Gozo recently competed for the Red, White, and Blue at the U-16 Football Federations Cup in Spain, where he was named the joint winner of the Golden Boot for his goals against England and Wales. Finally, new Real Monarch signing Luca Moisa and a trio of RSL Academy players, including Omar Marquez, Axel Uriostegu, and Juan Giovia, have been named to the USU-15 side. A seventh Monarch, the goalkeeper Fernando Delgado, was called up to the US, uh, or excuse me, the U-17 Mexican national team. Real Salt Lake have also announced the signing of defender Luis Rivera from the Real Monarchs to a contract through the 2026 season with a club option for 2027 making him the 35th all-time homegrown player. Rivera, now 15 years old, played in just four matches for the Monarchs in 2022, so it feels safe to assume that he would only see first-team minutes this year if a plague befell all other RSL centerbacks. And that is that is where we end that Monarchs Minute. Did I make it in in under 60 seconds? My first ever RSL season pass, Monarchs Minute. How'd I do? It's a little bit over a minute. Dang um, it. Exactly what was it? Was it like was 10 a- seconds over? It was like a minute 20, a minute 21. Okay. There was but a lot to get through. Not bad. Not bad. Um, there was a lot to get through. Do you make anything major of those of that yes. signing? We're going to get to another RSL homegrown signing later. Um, yes. Not I, exactly Monarchs related, so I didn't include it here. But I think I'm pretty... You? I think I'm pretty high on most of these guys. Obviously, Gavin Beavers is um, really exciting to watch and will be an exciting prospect, hopefully for the first team coming soon. I love Xavier Gozo, as I mentioned on the previous episode. Um, Luca Moisa, I don't know too much about him, um, but I have seen him on the score sheet every now and then for the academy teams. Um, and same with Axel Uriostegi. Um, I think okay, I, we I, pronounce those names super differently. Is that how, is that how that one is? Alex? I mean, just looking at it. I mean, if you are, a I thought it was Uriostegi. I feel like I heard that on a Monarchs broadcast. I'm just going to say Uriostegi because that's kind of what it looks like, but Uriostegi. yeah, it could be. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody please correct us on the pronunciation. I asked Trey about that. Xavier and I think that's how it's pr- supposed to be pronounced. Like Javier, Xavier, or yeah. I think I just said Xavier, but I think it's Xavier. Actually. Xavier, Xavier, Xavier. I think it's like Javier. Javier. I think it rhymes with Javier. That's We're what really, I asked and received, but it could be different. <laughs> I, I hope you can all laugh and uh, take appreciation in the fact that we don't know how to pronounce a lot of guys' names. I, uh, I so. do try. I do genuinely try, yes, and I yes. reach out when we, I can. We but. both do. We both genuinely try the best we can. Um, but if you know the correct pronunciation, please correct us. Um, but I think it's I, I think it's I guess a requisite just to be like really good at soccer. If you if your name is Axel and you play somewhere in the Real <laughs> organization, so. Um, but yeah, a I'm, lot I'm of Axels, a lot of Pierre's. Yes, yes, we will get into that one too. Um, Fernando Delgado, I like him as well um, for maybe uh, a little bit down the road. Um, Monarchs goalkeeper. Um, I mean, especially if Gavin Beavers goes down or is on international duty like he will be soon, um, it's possible that we see Fernando Delgado take the reins of the Monarchs, and I'm fine with that. Um, he, he looks pretty good. The one thing I worry about 
you mentioned Luis Rivera has a potential to get first team minutes for Real Salt Lake this year. And I, um, no, I do not. I do not believe that, Ethan. Oh, I know that you believe that, and you said as much. But even in his own press release, he says it's probably going to be a couple years before he cements himself in the first team. So, like, I would be stunned. If you put the over-under at five minutes of MLS action that he plays this year, I would take the under. He probably gets a U.S. Open Cup appearance, but that might even be stretching it. I hope he, got, he, he did not I hope have it's a never. very good Monarch season last year. No, he was I hope very it's good, never. You know, with like the U16s, U17s, whoever yes. he played for, the Academy yes. Um I feel I seem like I remember him fondly in the GA Cup, but it, it, in Monarch's games, he... There were some. There were some very tough moments. And to be fair, he's young. He has time to develop. He yeah, can. Yeah, he's a child playing but, against like grown men a lot of the time. Man, but that's why oh I wouldn't man. want to see him anytime soon in an Arsenal jersey. I did not attend a lot of Monarchs games last year. The ones I did attend and that he was playing in, woof, man. I I can tell you right now, I was keeping an eye on him because he's like the he was like the shortest dude on the field, but. Dude, he he got blown by several times from guys that were much much faster than him at a, a level of of MLS Next Pro. Like, if he's playing for the first team at any point, anytime soon, you better hope that he's learned to run a little bit faster, man. Because he's playing out on the wing generally, and he just can't keep up with guys that are, are even a little faster than him. It's it's tough. So he needs to have better positioning, better speed. Hopefully, he develops that. But um, I. <laughs> I, I love the guy. I'm happy for him. But as you can tell, I'm not super thrilled about him potentially getting any first team minutes uh, for RSO. Yeah. And as far as a Monarch kind of outside back, I think for the Academy, he plays more center back. But you're right. For Monarchs, he did play on the outside. I think I would have signed Aziz Kayondo. I've been pretty yeah, vocal about absolutely. that. If we're looking for light left or, back depth. Or the big machine. The big machine played a lot more at center back than he played out wide. But yes, Golden, the big machine, Mofuento, was probably the best Monarch last year. I mean, if Rivera's right? going to play at center back. That feels right. Have, the big yeah. machine was the best Monarch last year. Not named Gavin Beavers, but that you one. Know, I, he might have been better than Beaver. He had a really good year. I think, um, oh man, dang it. Why do I forget his name? The Portuguese dude? Tyrone Mondi? No, no, no. Pedro Fonseca? Yeah, Fonseca. He took so many pen. I mean, he's... Scored a lot of penalties, which he's is, also like know, 10 years older than some of the people is. on that team. So he it's kind of hard to judge him in the same vein. You know what? I would, Mondi struggled with injury, but I might almost give it to Mondi. He really came. I still think I'm team. giving it to the big machine. The only other one that I think has a shout is Gavin Beavers, who probably has a really yes. good shout. Yes. But the big okay. machine was everywhere. He was very good last year. No, but if I had to sign outside back depth, it would have been Aziz Kayondo. It would have been tough oh, to spend an international roster spot on it. But like, why would you have brought him into the Monarchs if you weren't? willing to do that anyways absolutely so, yes that's yes, where i'm at yes. um yeah so <laughs> we'll see if rsl makes any more signings um and we will kind of get into some of those rumors a little bit later too but we do want to talk a little bit about club news because there are some uh, important things going on within the club um finally finally as we've been waiting all this time and nothing's been happening and finally we we hear that um maybe a little unfortunately as uh, sergio scordova had really come on at the end of the season started to score a lot of goals he is officially gone from Real Salt Lake, has returned with FC Augsburg to start the Bundesliga 2023 season. Um, I, I personally think Sergio Scordova will be sorely missed. This leaves a big hole in the attacking uh, group for RSL and, um, you know, got to make some more signings. So, Alex, is this a is this a good thing potentially for RSL with the ability to possibly make some signings or does this kind of suck a little bit? It entirely depends on how you use that $700,000 of cap space that he now vacates. I think to bring him in probably would have put him into designated player territory based on the transfer fee it would have cost. It seems as if Augsburg was not willing to let him go for nothing. And that surprises me. I still don't understand how the whole umbrella works because to me that just sounds like moving money from one pocket to another, but maybe because there's auxiliary owners in Salt Lake, that's not exactly how it translates not entirely certain. Maybe they just wanted him back because as we've, you know, both kind of mentioned, he had a really good second half of the season. It depends on what you do with that spot and who is the starting nine day one. If it's Elijah yep. Paul, I think you've made a mistake. If it's Demir yes. Krylock, I think you're probably right in letting him go, but can it be Demir Krylock for nine months out of 12? I don't know the answer to that question either with his back injury, as we've talked ad nauseum, unfortunately about on this podcast, I don't know that you can trust him for any extreme length of time either. So this one's tough. 
man. Yeah. This one's really tough because, again, Sergio had a terrible first half of the season and a pretty fantastic stretch near the end. So I, I, I really don't know. I, I want to believe yeah. that he was that player that he was at the end. I think there was enough evidence to point to that being fact and not hope, which was so much of what we talked about last season. I'm bummed, man. I, I'm actually genuinely really bummed to see him training you know, in that Twitter post from Augsburg in Germany was really sad, honestly, because he seemed like a guy that really enjoyed playing here. He kind of hilariously at times would interact with fans on Twitter, sometimes to clarify that he was not a designated player when others in the organization (laughs) claimed that he was, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. He was, he was a good player near the end. He was a really good striker. And I think we have to remember that he came in as a winger and then was asked to play striker something yeah. that might happen with another player we'll talk about here later. And so I think those, that kind of learning curve uh, should have been expected. And, you know, I probably should have given him more grace than I did. I mean, the guy was also missing sitters. So like, I don't yeah, know. it was probably finishing a lot of those. <laughs> the San Jose one is still probably one of the best misses I've ever seen in my entire life, but it's a bummer. I don't know. Man. Do you have anything else really? It's just, I don't know. It's a um, tough one. I, Cause it all, cause again, it's so hard to judge these moves, not knowing what's coming down the line. Yeah. Like if you go out and you spend a million dollars on Joseph Martinez, like I'm, I'm kind of cool with it. And I, oh, yeah. I don't really mind oh, seeing yeah. him leave. If you had spent, you know, the two, three, four million dollars on Chicho Arango last year, like I would have been happy to see Sergio Cordova go. So now it's, it's kind of like, should, am I more expectant or more hopeful that the front office and the ownership group can replace those numbers for cheaper than he would have cost to keep around. And that's, that's, that's what it comes down to for me. And what I think it comes down to for everybody is if you can match the production for less or equal money, then it makes sense. If you can't, yeah, you're asking, you're asking a lot of the fan base, I think. Yeah. And Joseph Martinez, it looks like he's closer and closer to signing a deal with inter Miami at this point. Yeah. So, not necessarily saying he's an option, but just, you know, that kind of, I wish he was. if you could go out, I wish he was. Yeah. Not. We'll, we'll miss on him and instead get Dom Dwyer and be told we're getting yeah, <laughs> the Atlanta United oh. forward. Everybody wants. I mean, here's the thing about Sergio Scordova. You and I were, were very harsh on him. Um, when he first came he was he was Sergio Snordova for he was, six he months was. last year, I, but deservedly so, as you mentioned, he was missing sitters, he was missing easy shots, he was a little reluctant to shoot at times as well. Um, we saw him get a lot more comfortable as the season went on. I personally, I'm sure you agree with me. At the end of the season, thought he deserved to get a a contract to be signed on to the team um, and to to continue with RSL. He doesn't get that opportunity, and as you mentioned, it all depends on who RSL brings in in his stead. Um, I, I'm not sure who it's going to be. I'm not sure if the front office is going to get somebody across the line before the season starts. Um, if that doesn't happen, you mentioned Crylock and, and he, he has been injured, but the thing about Demir Crylock, let's not count him out entirely. A guy like Marcelo Silva, who had been injured on and on and on. And then this last season, his first season playing through the entire year without getting injured, I mean, it's not likely, but it's possible we see the same thing from Demir Krylock this year. And if he does stay healthy for the entire season, he gets the the first spot up top. But as we saw a lot from RSL this season, this last season, they like to play two guys up top. And so we'll talk about a guy that could potentially be there too. But the question is, is do you sign somebody to bring in, which I hope they do, to play specifically designed at that, that nine spot alongside Demir Krylock? Or... Do you just stick a guy there like uh, Jefferson Severino to much of your chagrin probably in that situation because you love Severino playing on the right side, but Severino maybe comes in and plays in that spot a little behind Demir Krylock, similar to what Cordova did. Um, Maybe we see a guy like Anderson Julio who we've wanted to see develop and like get that time and that ability to play as a starter for like more than 60 minutes and then just get subbed off. Like maybe if, if he could get to 90 minute, Anderson Julio getting in behind the defense, scoring goals. I would love that, uh, but he's injury prone at times too. So I don't know if we can def- depend on Anderson Julio. It leaves a big question mark on the team and a lot of speculation until the team decides to kind of maybe hopefully sign someone there. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just looking at, you know, the RSL forward depth right now and I'll read it off for you. Not great. Not You've great. got Crylock number one. I don't think that one's up for debate. If he's healthy, he's ready yes. to go. He's going to play, and he's almost certainly right going to play yeah. the number nine. Yep. After that comes Danny Musovski. 
guy we saw maybe a hundred minutes from last yeah, year. Not a Coming lot. off injury. It probably was less than that. Elijah Paul from the draft is next. Then you've got Yakison from the draft as well. Then you've got uh, Inelli, Imeka Inelli with the 25th overall pick, another forward. I don't think you draft three forwards if you're planning on going out and spending big on another forward. So it, it, it worries me. Maybe, maybe worries is the wrong word, but it at least nudges me into believing that they're done spending on that position. As you mentioned, Anderson Julio, they seem to think of more as a forward than a winger, which I, I don't totally understand, but it seems to be the case. And it doesn't really, I don't think there's been any indication that that's changed over the, you know, his first stint here versus what he came and brought to the team in 2022. If you had to right now choose your forward to trust for the entire season, who is it? I mean, I, it's I harder than it should be to say Demir, right? I can't. Yeah. I mean, well, so are you talking about two guys up top? Because if they play with two up top, like they have been, then I say Demir and I can't. I think it's only been some scenarios in which they play with two. Okay. I think, it's, I well, think we're, I think our, I don't know that our best formation, but I think our most common formation is really that four, two, three, one. I, I want to trust. So if you're looking here. at that, who, who's the one up top? If you had to put a hundred dollars on to be RSL's golden boot winner at the end of the season, who's it going to be? Demir. Easy. I mean, if he stays healthy, he's yeah, he's but that's such a big cut. if to me. It's not. I don't know if it's as big as it might. I'm making it out seem. to be. Like he re-injured he, it. He was trying yeah, to come back. Yeah. We were told he was going to come back more than yeah, once, and true. he continued to not come back. It's true. And I think he took that time to, I mean, we heard that he went over to Europe. I, I believe that he would have taken that time to heal up fully. I I don't know. I feel like we would be hearing more out of RSL camp. Maybe they're keeping it on the hush to try and like, I don't know. I don't know. He it's, showed up to preseason according to the club's yeah. Instagram post. So there, we will definitely see soon. I, I do worry a little bit about him reactivating an injury, but I think that for all intents and purposes, he should he should be healthy. He should be fine. And uh, like you can't there's there's very few players in the world of sports that you can like bank on injuries. Like I would say Anthony Davis of the Lakers is a guy that you can almost always bank on getting an injury. He's just he just gets injured. Like Greg Oden was the same way for a while. And these are basketball players, but I uh, Gio Reyna is yes, another yes, Gio Reyna Richie Ledesma, is, another one that just pulled up yes, an injury. They're good examples. But Demir Krylock, uh, this was his first season with a really bad nagging injury. If he comes back healthy, like who knows? I mean, I I think that there is a, a good chance that he is fine. He maybe misses a couple of games due to like rest or like maybe like an injury, like kind of starts acting up. They would, they want to be safe with him. Like that makes sense. But I think that he, for the most part, he'll be okay. I think so. And then, you know what, if they want to sneak a second striker up top, they probably do something that you hate where they like stick Jefferson Savarino in behind Dami and they just throw Michael Chang out on the right, which we saw that a lot last season. Yeah. I don't think you're totally out of bounds for suggesting that. I think if I had to pick one player right now, there's a forward. I can't pick Jefferson Savarino to be RSL's golden boot winner in 2023, I'm probably taking Elijah Paul. You don't trade wow. up for a guy, especially wow. one that you had in your academy that this team's extremely familiar with, who has that college experience that we know Pablo Mastroeni values. I think that's a, a genuine, like extreme vote of confidence in that dude. And I think he probably starts the year out behind Dami. Interesting. And dare I say, probably takes over for Dami come May. I, I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to know a lot about Elijah Paul. I've watched his highlights and I, I am an adamant uh, denier that you can really draw any grand conclusions from highlights, especially for, you know, players so young and especially from college highlights. Yeah. But man, like the team does not, our RSL does not draft well at all. No, no. <laughs> and so the vote of con and like we often pass, like we actually passed last year and sold one away for like 50 K instead of taking Jasper Loffelson earlier, you know, like, again, we got yeah. him in the third round. Like we didn't really want that guy yeah. that bad to trade up for a player like this in a clear position of need when you are willing to let Sergio Cordova walk. I, I would not be surprised if he's starting even earlier than May. And I think he has a genuine <laughs> case because the team, you know, if you've got Jefferson Savarino and he, who will be named in the next segment serving you in balls wide, like there's many worse attacks in MLS. Yes. Not to no, mention Diego Luna, Moonboy. Like if he were to 
you know, really take a step forward this year and be as creative as we've seen him be for the USU 20s, I know it's a very different game. I think there's going to be service for whoever is the forward for Real Salt Lake. And I, if I had to bank on it right now, would say that it's probably going to be Elijah Paul for more minutes than Demir Krylock. And I think that turns into more goals. Uh, that is that is a very interesting take. Um, Who plays more minutes this year, Elijah Paul or Demir Krylock? Tommy, for sure. I just do not see him being healthy for the whole for year. For sure. And you know what? The thing with Elijah Paul is he's he's going to be a rookie. Like RSL has played rookies in the past, uh, a la Corey Baird, um, for example, and and had you know relative success with Baird um, until he left the team. But and Elijah Paul is really similar to that Baird profile, where you I come just, up through the academy. You leave to go to college and then you come back and you just find the right coach that fits with what you bring to the team. And a lot like Jasper Lovell said, you just kind of reap the rewards all year as long as you're willing to continue to do the work. And I could see him fitting that mold. Again, in a position where there's just not a lot of competition. There's just you know not what? many guys he's going to have to beat out. I guess I, I even forgot to mention Rubio Rubin. Ruby Rubin. I, was about to say, I was about to say I have a bombshell for you. You want to know what Pablo Mastroeni is going to do because he's Pablo Mastroeni? He's going to play Demir Krylock up top, and he's going to play Rubio Rubin right next to him. And then come, come 60th minute, he'll sub off Rubio Rubin for Anderson Julio. And Elijah Paul will only get minutes if one of those three guys gets injured, I think. Personally. That's totally fair. I, I'll be totally honest. I completely forgot. That's, that's probably what will happen. But I think that's probably what Pablo's going to do too. I don't think he's going to remember the existence of Rubio Rubin any more than I just did. <laughs> a lot of a lot of us have forgotten about him. To be fair, <laughs> man, I um, am surprised in myself for picking Elijah Paul. But I really do think being healthy and being available—you know, your best abilities, availability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he, I think that's going to actually genuinely be the case for Elijah Paul this year. Interesting. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see about that. Um, I I tend to disagree. Um, but you listening out there. Who's going to play more know. minutes on the wing? Jefferson Savarino or Justin Miram? Um, I would say Jefferson Savarino. I would think so. Who plays more minutes? Justin Miram or Diego Luna? Um, because Pablo Mastroeni seems to hate Diego Luna for some random reason. I would say Justin Miram. Unfortunately, I who want plays, Diego who plays more minutes, Justin Miram or Demir Krylock. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say that Dami is healthy this year and that Justin Miram is coming off the bench, most likely in a reserve role as we thought he would that's be. Exa- I was going to say that's exactly what we thought last year, too. last year, but I'm going to have, I'll say Dami. I'll say Dami. Okay. I'm confident in Domi. I back him. I back him. Who plays him. more minutes, Justin Glad or Marcelo Silva? Justin Glad had some injuries last year. He did. He did. And Marcelo Silva um, did not. Hmm. That is that is a tough question. Yeah, that is a tough one. Can I choose a tie? Just like randomly? No, no you have to pick. Um, <laughs> I'll take Justin Glad. I'll take Justin Glad. I'm taking Marcelo Silva. Interesting. I'm Interesting. taking Marcelo, man. He just signed that big juicy contract, that nice extension. He'll be ready to go. I hope so. I, I sure hope both of them will be fine to play like every single game in the season. And do we start more games in a back three or a back four? Definitely. No, that's a bad question. Do we start 10 games or more in a back three? 10 games or more. If I, if memory serves, it, it would have been right around seven or eight last year. Cause we had a stretch of like yeah. four to start the season that we're back four or back three. I, I will say, I will say due to the, sh- especially with the departure of Aaron Herrera, who tended to sometimes play at that right center back spot. I will say under. Because of the lack lack of yeah. depth at center back, but there's or, no depth at outside back either. So I know, I, see, I if know. If Andrew Brody goes down for any more than a week or two, maybe you see Oviedo. Oviedo, like uh, no, no, Oviedo play left wing back. So like the other center back, dude, Mastroeni's going to play like Kapelhoff or Holt, and I just I don't Kappel want that to happen. But Haziel, Haziel, get him back in the lineup. Yeah, Pablo, if you're that's listening, kind, that's kind of why I'm trying to manifest the back threes because <laughs> if Haziel could come in on that right center back side. You put Justin in the middle and Marcelo on the left. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that's, that's nice. a great defense right there. And I, I really like that shout. I don't know if it'll he happen. He can play Jasper at like that right wing back position where he can kind of pinch in a little bit. Sort of like Greg Berhalter wanted to do with the U.S. like years ago. Have those outside yeah. backs like really pinch in and play centrally in defense. I think or in possession. I think that could be that could be interesting. But in that situation, you more than likely end up with Jefferson Severino playing at kind of a, a nine striker role. Um, if you've got wing backs running down the wings, you're likely going to want to have 
not another two guys out on the wings as well. I don't think Severino plays. You can do the three, four, three, like we did last year. That worked really well. You could, you could, you definitely you get could. Ruiz and Ojeda in the middle. Jasper on the right. Oviedo on the left. Right Wait, wing, Jasper. Jefferson. Left if, if wing. You're saying if Brody's injured, right? Named. No, I'd play, I would play Jasper over Brody anyways, but having the two would, you know, give you the opportunity to play some depth. Because I, I don't love Jasper super defensively. Yeah. So I wouldn't want him in a, in a, as a right back in a back four, but you know what? Like a right wing back in a three four three. I love. I just love the three four three, and it looked so yeah. good for the like two games we played it last year, and then we just never went back to it, and it, it was so frustrating to watch. We would always go back to three five two, but never the three four three. Despite that being, because like, why were we asking Justin Miram to defend? It was the same reason Johnny Menendez never got yeah. minutes because he wasn't right. willing to track back. It's like, well, maybe don't ask him to have to track back and legitimately play defense. Like, sure, you know, Justin Miram is really good at getting back and pretending to look like he's defending. But like actually defending is, is not like one of his strong suits, and you know I would I don't think that's, that's that's bombastic to say at all. So asking him to do that was always kind of weird to me. And you know the problem with Johnny Menendez not willing to get back and defend, like why are you asking that from him? Yeah, you know? like give him the opportunity to get forward. And in a three four three, there's just so much more cover back that those you know those true attacking wingers don't have the same incentives or needs to get back in the way that they do in the three five two. Yeah, we're obviously trying to just like big brain this whole thing, but this has been a. It's going to long... be a four-two-three-one, and it's going to be super boring. It's going to be the exact same soccer we've seen for like ten years in RSL. This is our long way of saying that Sergio Cordova is officially gone. So, um... and that's a big mess. <laughs> yes, it is. Right, well, I forgot well, where this even started. Thank you, Ethan. As the season nears closer, um, we will get to talk about kind of like the team and what we think the team will do, and and kind of you know just speculate on where players will play and who will get the most minutes. We'll talk a lot more about that in future episodes. Um, I guess one more piece of club news is about a, a defender that RSL has just signed. His name is Delens Pierre. Now, Pierre, if you've heard that name before, you probably have. Um, siblings will now be within the RSL organization. Alex, tell us about this new signing, Delens Pierre. Yeah, so Delens was signed through the 2023 season with club options for 24, 25, and 26. I... Don't know exactly how that works in negotiations, but I guess I guess good for Delance. Uh As the club's league-leading 36th all-time homegrown player from the University of Portland, the defender is the second Pierre, as you mentioned, to sign within the RSL umbrella, joining his younger brother Bobby, who plays for the Monarchs. He previously played for the RSL Academy at varying levels and would go on to make three starts for the Monarchs in 2019 before opting to attend play uh, and play in college. Internationally, he has represented the Haitian U-20 team. I really don't make too much of the signing. Again, one yeah. of those, it's, you know, there have been so many of these off-season, you know, academy promotions to Monarchs or the first team, and it's hard to get excited about them, not because I don't think they're going to be good players, but they're not going to be heavily impactful this immediate season. So while I think it's a good move for the long term, I have pretty much zero expectations for Delens Pierre in 2023. So check back with me again in a year or two. It'll be interesting to see how this impacts the playing time of the aforementioned Golden, the Big Machine, Mafuenta, and potentially Aziz Kayondo for the Monarchs. Those would be, you know, or Luis Rivera or any other guys, you know, in that similar depth chart for the Monarchs. So. Yeah, I don't know who Delens Pierre. I don't like pretend to really know how good he is. Um, we'll see this season. Maybe get some minutes. Um, it'll be cool for him to potentially play on the same team as his brother Bobby. Um, but you know, I mean, if he's going to play on the outside, play him over Luis Rivera. I, there, I said it. I'm sorry. I, have I don't know. Luis, 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 we're we're, Rivera, we're bagging on Luis Rivera, but again, he's yes. a 15 year old, like just turned 15 too. So. <laughs> We'll give him a couple more seasons. I'm not too worried okay. about Luis Rivera. Clearly, they see something in him. Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll give him. And you know, a this was a conversation I got into on Twitter just a tiny, tiny bit. But the front office has done such a good job revamping the Monarchs. Like, yeah. you just, you know, I, I don't do enough, nearly enough, tipping my cap, you know, to the front office when they deserve it on this. Well, I guess not on this podcast because this one's brand new, baby. But uh, <laughs> they nailed it. They nailed it with these in the past when we lost. Soto, Ledesma, Booth, Booth plus two or times two. Like the frustration was always that the front office would come out and say, well, there's nothing we could have done. They were 16, 17, had Euro passports and they wanted way too much money. And like, that's not the answer. There actually is an answer. There is something you can do. And it's exactly this. It is exactly 
playing these guys when they're 14, 15 with the Monarchs, seeing what they have, and then signing them before they get that major international yeah. um, interest. Yeah. Or Give them the money. Give them the money. And, and you're giving them less money. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all for workers' rights and paying them as, as much as possible. And so I love that those guys, you know, got their money in Europe, and I love that that was an opportunity for them. But for these guys, you're giving them – you're making them a deal that is just so much more appetizing at 15 and 16 – than when you're 17, 18, and you're really pushing for bigger money in, in, in markets that will pay you that. And so yeah. this is what the front office could have done years ago. But instead, the Monarchs were chasing a Mickey Mouse ring in USL. And there's no reason, there is no reason whatsoever that Luke Mulholland should have seen more minutes, more games, more starts in 2019 than Richie Ledesma, who got all of five games for the Monarchs in 2019. It's yeah. unbelievable. The Monarchs were a haven for old, washed-up college players or, unfortunately, older MLS players yeah. that were never going to crack an MLS championship roster. And so we, in the words of Rob Zarkos, stacked that team to win a championship. And for what? How many RSL fans, if you ran a poll in the stadium, what year did the Real Monarchs win the USL championship? 2017, 18, 19, 20, 20. 50% tops. 50% tops would get that answer right. And so, like, what, what what were we doing? It was clearly just so Deloitte could win something on the cheap. And the way that the new front office, new ownership, has revamped the Monarchs to actually reflect a genuine developmental approach, I, I tip my hat because they've done they've done an extremely good job. And all of these signings, not all of these signings will hit, but all of these signings are at least indicating to me that they have a plan that they actually have a plan for how they're going to integrate the academy at the Monarchs in the first team. And a lot of that credit goes to Tony Beltran, the assistant GM, who is seeming, I, I reached out for comment on this, who is in charge of the Monarchs. He seems to be mostly the guy, but it is a top-down thing. And Kurt Schmidt, who came in um, and really set the pathway for each individual player. At least that's kind of his title and what is uh, transcribed in his press release for when he first arrived and Arnold Reisenberg for getting just all the Academy running kind of in the same direction. So hats off to those guys. Glad the Monarchs are finally getting utilized in a meaningful way. And I apologize to the big Monarchs heads out there who are offended that I called their championship a Mickey Mouse ring. <laughs> uh, that's, that's all I've got. I wouldn't be able to guess the, the year they won it, but um, I have to admit that I actually did go to the championship post-game celebration. It was awesome. There's like free food and like, take pictures with the trophy and like the team. And, and I stuff. think that's cool. great. I do not want to awesome. belittle the, the feelings and emotions that people put into that game, <laughs> but they won it with resources that were not available to other USL teams. And they yeah, yeah. did so at the it's detriment hard. of their own development. So I, I just ask, what was the point in chasing that? And, and I think everyone okay. kind of understands that the answer was to win a championship on the cheap for Deloitte. And that, that's what happened. And I, you know, a lot of guys really enjoyed it. David Ochoa had a great championship game and happy that he had that experience. Yeah. But I digress, <laughs> which I, which I do a lot on these podcasts, Ethan, but yes, you do. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Um, you know, we talk, uh, we talk a lot on, um, on air about, the, the younger guys of uh, RSL and, and kind of letting them go for free and not like selling them like we probably should be doing. And um, I think that's a perfect segue <laughs> into uh, our, our next little segment, our rumor segment. There is one massive major rumor for the club right now. Um, as of right now, midday Saturday, there is nothing that is set in stone or official yet, um, but heavily rumored that um, Carlos Andres Gomez or Andres Gomez, depending on how you prefer to refer to him, um, a 20 year old Colombian winger is um, essentially, it looks like set to come to RSL. Um, it will be a record breaking, potentially $4 million deal. Um, a huge, massive deal for the team. 20 year old kid. Alex, fill us in more on the information and tell us why is RSL doing this? Why are they making yeah. this move? Yeah, that, I mean, why is a, is, a, is a really deep question, Ethan. But as you mentioned, 20-year-old Colombian winger for Colombian top division team Millonarios FC. Uh, as you mentioned, they, it's a reported $4 million transfer fee, which would double our previous record held by Jefferson Savarino for $2 million. Transfer market tells me that Yurimov Sissian was bought for $3.1 million. I think that's a lie. I went through like <laughs> everything I could find on when we got him, and nothing 
indicated that it was a club transfer record. So I'm going to stick with what Tom Bogert wrote in his article when we signed yeah. Jefferson Savarino that it was for a club record. Yeah. Gomez will likely enter the roster under the U22 designation, which as defined by the league website means defined is one way to put this. MLS clubs can now sign up to three players under the age of 22 to lucrative contracts and at a reduced budget charge. Players can occupy the U22 initiative slot through the season they turn 25 years old. I've done a little digging on this uh, just so that we're kind of all on the same page. So I'm going to go over a couple more quotes. I'm sorry if it gets a little long, but this is from CBS Sports on the U22 rule. Up to three players per team can receive the U22 initiative tag while making up to the MLS budget max salary starting at $612,000 in 2022 and rising each season. So that is the max salary that they can earn. After receiving the label, players keep the designation until turning 25, and towards that time, they only carry a salary cap hit between $150,000 and $200,000. In other words, the rule creates a carve-out which allows teams to pay young players a max salary while taking a salary cap hit that's between a third and a quarter of the value of the contract. So you can pay a guy up to $600,000, and he's only going to hit the budget at $150,000 or $200,000. The example that I have kind of created in my own mind to work through this would be had RSL wanted to in 2017 and had the rule been around, we could have signed Aaron Herrera, who was then 20 years old, to a U22 deal. His cap hit would have remained around $120,000 to $200,000 all the way up until this season when he turns 25 years old and becomes ineligible. Instead, his cap hit, as reported by the Players Union, this last year was $700,000. So not at all an insignificant amount of money when you're thinking about the cap. So you sign these players young up to the max salary budget charge, and you essentially get them on a discount for salary cap purposes. That was a lot. I apologize. I just know that that's going to color how we talk about this transfer. And all of that to say, I am excited. I think the idea that ownership is willing to spend $4 million is a very, very big investment. They spent $2 million last year on Savarino. They did not spend the money it seemed necessary to get Gustavo Cuellar. I know there is a lot of drama there on what did or did not happen. If there was a little extra money involved, I have to imagine that would have happened sooner. The same thing goes with Anderson Julio. It seems like we waited a lot longer than necessary to get him in here because of either the salary charge or the transfer fee. This is an indication that they are willing to spend, which is fun. It's cool. I am very happy about it. I have no idea of what to make of this player. (laughs) Again, only so much you can find on YouTube, probably a cumulative 10 minutes of highlight tape and that's it. And he looks, he looks fine. I don't know. The defending of the Colombian league doesn't look super impressive. Obviously the one goal everybody's seen where he rips it from 25 yards out with his left foot. It was sick. It was really cool. Yeah. And he's super young. Uh, He's going to get compared to Jefferson Savarino by Brian Dunseth. I just know he is because that's what Brian Dunseth does. Every time we get a young uh, attacking player, he did it with Luna and he did it with uh, Jaison Ramirez. So I know it's probably going to happen here too. I think it's cool. I have, I, have, I really I don't make much of it. I, I think it's awesome that ownership is willing to spend. I would not spend $4 million on a winger, I think I probably would have spent that $4 million last year on Chicho Arango. I think that makes more sense. I think it's more of a sure thing. It also would have hit the cap harder. So I understand if that's your reasoning for not wanting to do it. I, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words. I really don't know what to make of this one. Ethan, are you? do you feel either one way or the other? I have to imagine you're excited, but is this where you would have spent the money? So this is wild for me because... I feel like in the past when we've like really felt emotion, like after signing (laughs) the past when we felt emotion. Yeah. That's been so long since we've had that feeling, Ethan. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying in the past when, when that has happened, generally I feel like you're on the more pessimistic side than I am. And I've always been like, yeah, like this is great. Like, like you remember how I was about Sergio Cordova when he first came on the team before he even played a game, I was like, yo, like Sergio Cordova is going to kill it. He's going to be awesome. He's going to fun watch. And like, he just kind of, you know, was not playing well in the beginning. So I have always been very gung ho about guys. And now I feel like I'm being so pessimistic on this episode. So I, uh, I do apologize for being a little more pessimistic, but um, you know, I, I, I agree with the aspect of it's great that the ownership has decided to finally start shelling out some money and like spending a little bit 
but you're spending $4 million on a 20 year old Colombian winger. Um, I mean, I I've heard from some sources near like ish and around the team that he, he's good, but that he didn't have a great year last year, but Tom Bogert, um, who reported this initially also tweeted out, um, that, uh, Gomez has 13 goals and six assists in 4,000 minutes with the team, uh, the first team for Milanadios, Mionadios, however you say that. Um, and so, I, I did some calculating as I like to use my math degree to sometimes do. Um, <laughs> that's all it seems to be good for in this industry, apparently. But um, I, I calculated it out and it's about one goal every 308 minutes. So about every three and a half full games, he gets a goal and then an assist every 667 minutes, which is about double that. So about every seven games, he gets an assist. Um, those are, those are tough numbers, though, because I did that math a lot last year with Sergio Snordova at the time, yes. and he was scoring once every, you know, five, six games. And then the math changes really quickly. All it takes is one really good hot streak, especially for a young player. I mean, Sergio Cordova more than doubled his entire career output of goals last season, and he did all nearly all of that in one half of one season. Yes. So especially with young players, I think it's tough to draw too much from goals and assist stats. But I do think, to your point, it is you know certainly important. He's not exactly like a surefire thing, as the stats no, would indicate. He yeah. is certainly a project. He's he's twenty years old, and like Sergio Cordova is twenty five. So I mean, Sergio Cordova does have some a little more experience on his shoulders. Um, in all fairness, but and, and Tom Bogert commented and reminded me that he's twenty. Like I get he's twenty years old. I understand that that is a fact. But we are spending. This is a record breaking transfer for the club. Like. <laughs> a little bit of a sure thing. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're shelling out so much money on something that, that you don't really know how this is going to pan out. And we talked, you talked just barely on this episode about how RSL has a very bad history of retaining young talent. And my worry for this same thing is what happens at the end of this contract? Like he'll be what, 24 years old? It's a four, four year deal, right? Is that what it is? I can't remember it, how long well, it's reported. It, it, I don't think it's been totally reported. Obviously, it's not official million, yet, so, so we don't totally know. No, no. I would imagine yeah. it's for – wasn't there like a bunch of club options? I don't know. I yeah. It, it, you know what? Let's just say it's five years. Like it could be – like five years is pretty typical. So five years, and let's say he absolutely kills it with RSL, and five years later, he's 25 years old, and he's out of contract. Dude, like I've seen this movie before, and it ends with RSL not re-signing the guy – letting him go on a free and then tearing it up somewhere in Europe where he goes on to win all these crazy awards and be awesome for his team. Like uh, Taylor Booth comes to mind, just one Eredivisie um, Dutch league player of the month, Taylor Booth. Like I, I, I am just, my mind is just blown over the, Ethan. I can't, I, I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. It's just, uh, what, what do you want me to do? I've got PTSD from RSL, just letting all of these young guys go for free. And I see oh. this name scenario starting to kind of play out here. I just, I worry that the team isn't going to be smart about this. Like they have been in the past. Granted, we have new ownership. Maybe that changes, but like color me skeptical. If I just, wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm worried about it. I'm it worried, looks like I but, lost but, the pessimism in the Alex, custody battle. Wow. Alex, I, I'm, I, I am I am optimistic. I, I, want, I want him to be good. I truly, dearly want this guy to be good. And I want RSL to be able to like show some initiative and maybe giving him another contract if he does well enough. And, you know, selling him for some money. Like, if it comes to that, I just, I want RSL to play the scenario right and... I worry that with $4 million already out of the bank going towards this 20 year old guy, like is, I, I almost wonder if you could have bought him for less to be honest too. Like how honest, I feel I is I think similar to what you're trying to, to get across here. And it's that it's unfortunate that it feels like not saying that it is, but that it feels like the future of ownership spend on RSL rests entirely on the success of this young man's shoulders. Kind of if feels he goes right and balls out, ownership is not going to be as scared to spend in the future. If he yep. goes and he totally flops, ownership might say, well, you missed on that one. Clearly, what we were doing before was working better. We need to continue to try to find diamonds in the rough. That's yep. what worries me. I am not saying that is the reality. I'm saying that is what I think the fear is around this signing for some people, is that it feels like 
the future of our strategy in the transfer market depends on how well he does. And maybe that's an overreach, but that's, I think it feels that way. It kind I of feels think that how way. some people are, are feeling it. Cause if he goes, yeah. he is the best player on the roster from day one, as this transfer fee would indicate he needs to be somewhat near. I think ownership says that was a smash play. We nailed it. You front office have earned a little bit more trust to go out and continue to spend. If he comes in and is a 20 year old, similar to Jaison Ramirez, who I think came when he was like 18 and, mm-hmm. you know, had a really, really tough start and a really hard time integrating into the team for a myriad of reasons. Then I worry that it becomes more of the same old, same old in that, well, this cheaper approach was working. We were making the playoffs. Why don't we just go back to that? Right. This is the type of signing that if Atlanta United misses, they go immediately back to the drawing board. They cut their losses and they do it again and try to get it right the next time. Yeah, Atlanta, LA, uh, Toronto, all those types of teams. This is not a make or break deal for RSL. This feels like a make or break deal. I again, I am not saying that it is. I don't think that it necessarily will be, but that is, I think, the fear that I'm feeling with this is that it just feels like a lot of pressure for Gomez. Because as we've mentioned, I don't see them adding a big money striker. And if you're not going to add a big money striker, where are you going to add a big money player on this roster? Yeah, defensive mid, maybe like you were going to with Cuellar, yeah. but is that money going to come in Ojeda? I, I just don't know. So I am excited that we are breaking the club record transfer fee. I am still fingers crossed that it gets done. You know, it was, it doesn't really get much more done than being reported by Fabrizio Romano. And that's what we got yeah. with Gustavo Cuellar. And he's clearly still not in an RSL Jersey. So, right. you know, especially with this team, don't believe everything you read on the internet says yes. Tony Beltran and Elliot Ball. I'm excited. I'm excited. And if you're not excited, that's okay. And I think I understand the skepticism, but he hits the budget charge at such a friendly number that like it, it doesn't, it's not really the worst thing in the world. If he flops, it's only the worst thing in the world. If he flops and then ownership decides to never make that risk again, if yeah. not, he's an extremely cap friendly player. And for a small market team that is going to choose to act like a small market team, which there is a distinction, I promise you. Yes. For a small market team that's choosing to act like a small market team, you've got to take advantage of market inefficiencies. And if you can pay a guy $600,000 and only hit the cap at one hundred and fifty, you got to do it. Well, so I'm you've, excited. You've encouraged me. You made me feel a little bit better about it. I so, appreciate um, that, Ethan. This is, the, this is that <laughs> new, brighter RSL season pass. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. In all of its glory. We're starting uh, off strong, man. <laughs> but, it, um, I, I think we failed to mention that he plays wing. I, I was just about Probably to say that. The right he, way. I don't even think we've mentioned where he plays. Yeah. Everybody's so familiar with this rumor at this point, I have to imagine. If you're mm-hmm. not, that's okay. Welcome to the RSL Season Pass podcast where we will yes. really <laughs> on all those details. He plays right I, wing. He plays I on the right wing, similar to Jefferson Zavarino, but we saw a lot of highlights of him playing on the left too. Yes. The, even Jefferson is pretty interchangeable, so yeah. I don't know. Not too worried I, about it. I personally think that I, I, you talked in length last year about how good um, Severino is on the right side. And so I do think that we see, um, see Gomez play a little on the left side. And that kind of leads also into Justin Merrim talk to how we were so sure he was going to be a reserve last year. And he ended up not because we just like didn't make any signings. And now we've made this signing. And, and we he, did make and, and Pablo just loves him. Because I mean, yeah. we had Anderson. I love you know, him. We too. had Sergio that could. I play love the wing. He just, you do love Miram. You did at one point say he was your favorite RSL player. Yes, yes. Um, but you know, I, I think that Gomez takes the starting spot now, and Justin Miram will only play in situation of injury or rest. Um, is when he'll get starts. But um, just I, I guess a little look look ahead to the season. If we do have Anderson Julio coming off the bench and Justin Miram, like I'm not I'm not too mad about our attacking options coming off the bench start this season, especially, especially if we make like another signing at striker for like a nine. And then I think it also needs to be said too, that there needs to be, regardless if it's like a veteran or just like a a body to kind of be there, that's like good enough for like a, a left back, right back player. And then a center back as well. Like, I think we need to fill those parts of depth. Maybe if, especially if Hazel not going to get played, which I hate, but. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of playing time. So I think a center back signing left back, right back signing and a striker signing. If we're somehow miraculously able to do all of that and get that over the line before the season, I will stop complaining about this off season. So you complain all you want, Ethan. That's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Only, you know, just briefly, the one thing you mentioned, you know, playing time, that's going to worry you. The one thing that would worry me is if this saw Diego Luna 
really written out of 2023 because we did see him quite often at, on that left wing spot for RSL. If this puts him in a position where he's can only play the 10 and then Dami's playing the 10, uh, that would be a little bit frustrating for me to watch, but I don't think it's going to be one or the other, that binary. I think there's going to be enough movement around that those kind of three spots for the 10 and both wings between Savarino, Gomez, and Luna that they'll make it work to get Luna in there, but that is far from a sure thing. And that's, that's saw, my only real worry with this one. We saw some frustration from Luna last season because he wasn't getting played at all, which totally makes sense. You yeah, think don't if, blame him. You think if Diego Luna becomes a a um, like a regular bench guy and not a regular starter this year, do you think that he like requests a trade and wants to like leave the team? I mean, I would if I was him. I think we saw. I would too. I would too. You know, I wouldn't blame him. Similar outcomes with David Ochoa. I'm. You know, a young player that's extremely talented, has interest almost certainly from other teams, not getting the playing time he wants, you know, and then kind of asking, requesting kindly, and then maybe not so kindly for a move. I don't foresee that happening. I think Pablo has had enough time to kind of reflect, yeah. I would hope. And, you know, hopefully we get to talk to him soon in these these uh, preseason pressers to find that out. I would be surprised if that were to happen with Diego Luna. Not exactly the vibes I get from him, but... yeah. I, I hope he stays. <laughs> I, I hope he stays. No, I hope he stays. I hope he gets lots of playing time. But if he happens to not, he would also have to find a different Dutch Bros coffee to work at. So, <laughs> and just lastly, lastly, uh, <laughs> Scott Caldwell is on two hundred and five thousand dollars. So for the next five or seven years, if we were to keep him here that entire time, Gomez would be making a smaller salary cap hit than Scott Caldwell. So that's okay. one way to think about it. Okay. Well, thank you for putting it. If you put it that way, this exactly. is exactly and Then all of a sudden it's like bargain bin stuff. And then assuming, yeah. you know, he doesn't get to the point where he wants more than $600,000 and then maybe things yeah. get a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it on this episode. Um, we've got, uh, I mean, there have been rumors and rumblings that maybe RSL does go out and spend a couple more million dollars on like a, a striker, left back, right back, center back or something. That remains to be seen. Yeah, nothing, nothing like worth really too juicy or spicy on, yet yeah. uh, but maybe on next week's episode we might get into that a little bit more but um alex do you have any parting words before we finish off today our inaugural episode of rsl season pass i you know just a, was a little bit reflective this week in how much we've we've done and you know not that it's anything big but you know i really appreciate hearing from people that they enjoyed listening yes it sounds so unbelievably corny, but like it really genuinely does mean a lot. And so just seeing people ask on Twitter, like what we were going to do next with the podcast was, you know, kind of, kind of sweet to see. So I'm glad that we were able to continue. I am glad that we're the big dogs in charge. You know, I think that's exciting. I'm excited to see where this all goes. Hopefully we have it all up and running as flawlessly as we can get it in the next couple of days. And Thank you all sincerely for listening. I like to think that we would be doing this even if our download numbers were zero uh, because I do enjoy doing it so much and I just love talking RSL and I love this freaking team that refuses to win uh, anything important. Uh, 2009 was great. All the other finals were great. Can we please get back to that level? Uh, but that, that's, that's all the negativity I'll let into this, this, this send off. And I'm excited to see where, where this goes, Ethan, and how, how much and how long and, you know, how, just, just how much we're doing this and how long we're doing this for. I'm, I'm very excited to, to kind of play that out and see where it goes. For a while there, I thought you were going to make me cry, man. You're, I, you know, I really, I was thinking about getting know. the water. But truly like when somebody sends a DM, they're like, Hey man, great yes. to see the podcast. Like that, it feels really nice. Like it's cool. It does. I enjoy it. It does. Any compliment we get on the podcast, we and any like genuinely any criticism, like, like somebody pointed yes, out that criticism I say but too. way too much, and I do, and it's it's frustrating. It's something I work on. Hey Alex, and you say you I, say I dig- I digress too much. I say it every I'm single sure. episode, at least <laughs> once an episode. Ethan, you always I, say join by, method. and then you say yourself. Yes, and you're like, you're not that's true. By yourself, you're with yourself, but it's those that's things that I just love. I just love. See, we can yeah. do better. And we, we appreciate when you guys remember. point that out. So oh, thank and I you can't very wait to much. get back to like interviews with play, like post game yes. pressers and stuff. Ugh, It'll be great. It'll be great. Season starts wait. in a little over a month. So um, yeah, we'll be here for that. Your we'll pressers be... start like this week, man. We get a preseason with Pablo soon. That's true. We will be cranking out lots of content over the next, uh, well, I guess the rest of the season until the end of the season and then even more some after. So um, we're just going to be doing the best we can to pump out RSL content for you. That's, that's, 
one of the big reasons why we do what we do. And so, um, again, we just want to thank you all so much for the continued support. That's why we're out here uh, moving uh, off as an independent podcast going forward. Um, It's from all of the support and the love from you guys for the podcast. So uh, we just thank you all so very much for listening. And um, we want to make sure that if you don't already to follow Alex Maurer, because he's a great follow on Twitter and he puts a lot of stuff out there about RSL at Alex Maurer on Twitter is where you can find him. Um, You can find me at Ethan Kershaw nine on Twitter. Um, And uh, yeah, you can find uh, our our new, our new channel for the podcast um, at RSL season pass is where you can find the new page on Twitter that will be in all its glory up and running hopefully this week. Um, and before we we take off and leave, um, I would like to say as well as a little bit of a tease for next week's episode, we will have a guest on um, on with us to go over um, all the RSL news for next week. So it'll be a very fun episode next week. I'm excited. I can't wait for it. Um, and it'll be great. So Alex, are you pumped for next week? I am. And just lastly, 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 this is my first foray into administering a and publishing a podcast if it is not on the podcatcher of your selection please tweet me and let me know because i've tried to get it on yes. everything but you know it's still a work in progress so let me know if there's anything on that end listener if you don't see it where you normally enjoy your podcasts let me know yep but no that's all i got ethan all right awesome well thank you so much alex um i appreciate all the technical work you do for the podcast as well Um, Thank you all again for listening. We just can't thank you all enough and I can't stop saying it apparently, but yes, (laughs) thank you very much for listening. Um, And you know, we will get back to it next week where we have an awesome, amazing episode planned for you all. So until then we will talk to y'all next time. See ya.